Welcome to the Dinner Party Download. This is your icebreaker. Hi, I'm Morgan Spurlock, and uh, this joke is brought to you by Palm Wonderful Presents, the greatest movie ever sold. Knock, knock. Who's there? Boo. Boo who? Don't cry, baby. I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. I'm Rico Galliano, and from APM American Public Media, this is the Dinner Party Download, the show that helps you win your next dinner party. Our icebreaker this week came from filmmaker Morgan Spurlock. His latest movie is Palm Wonderful Presents The Greatest Movie Ever Sold. Which is a movie about product placements in movies, which he funded by having people place products in his movie. Rico's comment brought to you by Prilosec. <laughs> Coming up, comedian Dimitri Martin, Rob Mirani, and the modern mothers. But first, time for small talk. All week long, you've been hearing this. Osama bin Laden was killed. Osama bin Laden has been killed. Osama bin Laden has been killed. And now for something you haven't heard, we turn to Katrina Zish from the early show on CBS. Katrina, what story are you going to be talking about this weekend? Well, there is a device that has been developed to allow people to simulate French kissing online. This is virtual French kissing. Sort of like it might bring a little spice to Skype. (laughs) (laughs) What is this device? What does it look like? It actually is kind of like a little box, and it looks like there's sort of a straw sticking out of the box. You can actually (laughs) manipulate this little straw with your tongue, and the other person who has this device, their straw will move around the exact same way that you're manipulating your straw, and basically you can feel it in your mouth. This is like a geek's Um, idea of what kissing feels like, because they don't know. Exactly. My head is exploding right now. (laughs) As it should. Wow. And also, I want to know, does this count as cheating? (laughs) Well, should you say I had a little dalliance with my high school ex with a little, you know, French kissing device? Well, you didn't technically touch them. I don't think that you should mention at all that you were using a machine to kiss. Yeah, (laughs) I I, I don't think it matters (laughs) who you said you were kissing. Katrina, thanks for the small talk. Absolutely. And now, time for cocktails. Once again, we tell you something that happened this week in history, then give you a fitting drink to serve along with it. It's like history is a radiator, except instead of water, it's filled with heated booze. Hot booze radiator. Interesting. It's like a blues band or something. All right, here's the history. This week back in 2001, Ronnie Biggs returned home to England. Now, your dinner party guests might guess Ronnie was a soccer star or maybe a political hostage. They'd be wrong. Michelle Philippi tells the tale. For most people, robbing a train is a pretty unusual thing to do. For Ronnie Biggs, that was just the beginning. It all started in 1963, on Ronnie's birthday, which he celebrated by helping some pals steal 2.6 million pounds sterling from a mail train. But Ronnie got caught, and the craziness began. First, he busted out of jail in broad daylight. Then, he had his face surgically altered and dodged police all the way to Brazil, where he got a stripper pregnant. Smart move. The government wouldn't extradite anyone with a Brazilian kid. So when English cops found Ronnie, they couldn't arrest him. Instead, he spent 30 years in sunny Rio, cashing in on his rep as the luckiest fugitive on earth. Hello, my name's Ronnie Biggs, and I've written this book now, and I'm hoping that it's going to be a really big seller, probably the bestseller, probably the book of the year. In addition to books, Ronnie sold T-shirts with the slogan, Rio, a great place to escape to. He charged tourists 50 pounds to hang out with him. And for extra cash, he sang lead on two songs by the Sex Pistols. 
But in 2001, old and broke, Ronnie went back to England and surrendered. And eight years later, suffering from various ailments, he was released from jail the day before his 80th birthday. So that was the history lesson. Now it's time for the booze. I'm on the line with Robert Krajewski. He's the bar manager at Adventure Bar in London, uh, maybe a bar that Ronnie Biggs would have wanted to go to if he had not been locked up as soon as he returned to England. Robert, you heard the history. What cocktail did it inspire you to make? Okay, basically what I've done, I went for things that Ronnie loved the most, which is gold and beer. He loved gold and beer. And so how did you combine these two? Well, he was a proper London boy, so the most known London booze is gin, it's always been. <laughs> now I'm scared about what you came up with. So there's beer and there's gin, and what else? Yes, there's beer, there's gin, there's a little bit of Galliano that gives you really nice gold color. What it's is like that? like a sort of a vanilla liqueur. Okay, a vanilla liqueur, okay. Uh, you top it up with a little bit of sugar syrup, probably about a quarter ounce. Uh-huh. And one ounce of London Sprite real ale. Re- it's like a London ale? Yeah, in martini glass. Uh-huh. I know it sounds weird, but you know something? <laughs> it tastes really great. Okay. I came up with a name, Rob Mironi. Rob, the Rob Mironi. I like it. I like it. So I have one last question for you. You're from Poland? Yes, I'm Polish. And you're in England. How do I know that you're not on the lamb like Ronnie Biggs? <laughs> Enrico, here's how much Ronnie liked his ale. All right. Apparently he gave himself up because he wanted to have a British pint before he died. You know, it would not surprise me to learn that the Brits serve beer to prisoners and hospital patients, actually. That might be the case. Everybody has a right to beer in Britain. That might explain those hats at the royal wedding. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, we have a nice place where you can spend your golden years and wear whatever you want to. It's our website, dinnerpartydownload.com. Our guest of honor this week is Dimitri Martin. He's a stand-up comic, an actor, an artist, and now an author. His new humor collection is called This Is a Book. And Dimitri, this is an interview. Hey, how are you? I am fine. The thing about the book that I really like is that the pieces are so short, we can actually have you do a reading, and it will fit on our also very short show. Can you read to us the chapter entitled Fortune Cookies? These are some fortune cookies that I wrote. I'm going to read them in order. Your lucky numbers are 1, 2, 3, 4. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You are pretty lucky right out of the gate. So I'll just pause between each fortune cookie en- entry. Just let it sink in. Does advertising in fortune cookies work? It just did. Call 555-1326 for more information. <laughs> you will die in a hilarious way. <laughs> That's as, as much as we can fit, alas. Um, your stand-up is really visual. Yeah. And I am wondering if you had to like re- think in a different way about humor when you actually had to put it into text yeah I was telling somebody it's like when email was a new thing you'd write something and you realize wait a minute what am I missing here is this racist somehow did I mess this up so with the book I had to be really careful also I I didn't have the benefit of a live audience immediate feedback and the book feels more like something you're making in a vacuum I mean was it scary you have less control in some ways of how people react yeah I don't know if it's scary as much as it's a little bit frustrating because you get spoiled as a stand-up. Especially a stand-up who tells short jokes. I, I get feedback every 20 or 30 seconds. The audience is helping me craft my act. So not so much fear as, oh, geez, I, I just want to know. Should I keep this piece in the book or not? Something you mentioned in your 
Sage Show a lot is that you're somebody who likes to try to figure things out. Is there a puzzle, either a humor puzzle or an actual mathematical puzzle or something that you just found the hardest thing to crack? Often I find that there are things that seem funny to me, but I can't tell how they're funny. I, I haven't cracked it for myself. Balloons, revolving doors. You find revolving doors funny? Something funny about revolving doors. I often think, hmm, what is it? What did I laugh at when I was eight that I laugh at now? Well, I have a theory about this. That the things that I found funny when I was young that are still funny, and there's a lot that isn't. There are things like Steve Martin, Warner Brothers cartoons, certain Monty Python sketches, yeah. and they're absurd. They don't have anything to do with the time that they were made in. Yeah, Farside, Peter Sellers. My list isn't that different than yours, but I agree with that. I think I read somewhere, comedy doesn't travel well through time. Although, one thing that's interesting is uh, two years ago, it was in the news, I think it was two years ago, these archaeologists found a joke book. What? Yeah, in Rome. I think literally stone, like tablets. And the jokes were fat jokes, ugly wife jokes, fart jokes... Uh, stupid guy jokes, dunce jokes, and slave jokes because people had slaves. And uh, the, I don't think the latter one still works so much. Those don't work, but the, one of the examples they gave, it's got a structure, and it has a reveal in it, and there's a surprise and a twist in logic, you know. So what you're saying is you're going to go into slave jokes? It seems like the market is wide open. It's a risky market, but these are risky times. <laughs> um, we have two questions for, that we ask everyone on the show. The first one is, if we were to meet you at a dinner party, what question should we not ask you? How long have you had your food allergies? You have a lot of food allergies. Yeah. Like a lot? Yeah, seafood, nuts, poultry, for some reason melon. Water? Water if it's dipped in, if, if there's been fish in it, yeah. <laughs> uh, our second question is, tell us something we don't know, something that'll blow people's minds at a dinner party. I don't know a lot of facts, so let me see if I say this, maybe that'll get me to something we don't know. I often think that people's brains are either more like a machine or a container. Some of my friends seem more like containers. They know things. They're good at jeopardy. Other people's brains seem more like machines. They know processes. I'm more machine. I, I don't have much in my container. I don't, I don't know anything. But I learn ways to kind of do things. So the thing that's going to blow people's minds at a dinner party is that Dimitri Martin is a machine. <laughs> Only my brain. My body's a container of organs. And Brendan, how about your brain? Is it a container or a machine? A bathtub where I fill it up with stuff <laughs> to get through something and then I unplug it. It just drains away. So it's empty most of the time. That's is what right. You're <laughs> That's not surprising. <laughs> Folks, that is the dinner party download for this week. Special thanks to Jackson Musker, who is a producing machine, by the way. And thanks to the folks at Top Chef Masters, who had us on their show this week and edited us so we seem like we knew what we were doing. Yes, we can't imagine the hours of toil that must have required. <laughs> and we leave you, as always, with One for the Road, a song to listen to on your way to or returning from this weekend's dinner party. The band is called Modern Mothers. Mm. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Happy Mother's Day, other mom and mom-in-law. And the track is called Allison. Bon appétit.
dinner party ruminations. This week, comedian Dimitri Martin on dietary restrictions. I used to eat meat. I ate fruits and vegetables too, and a lot of other things people handed to me. I guess you could say I was an omnivore. Like a lot of people, I didn't know any better. Then I read a couple of books. One of them was called Hot Dogs and Fingertips. I also read The Cow Feces Dilemma, as well as Barf, STDs, and Veal. These books and my girlfriend who made me read them really motivated me to become a vegetarian. I started out as a regular vegetarian, someone who does not eat meat. Then I became what is called a constipated vegetarian, someone who eats too many bananas. After that, I became what they call a strict vegetarian. That's someone who eats only fruits and vegetables that have been disciplined in some way. Like, for example, corn that was grown in a perfect row, or grapes that were stomped by someone in uniform. Next, I decided to become a vegan, no animals or animal products. After that, I became a Las Vegan, the same thing as vegan but living in Las Vegas. After that, I became what some call a hyper-vegan. No animal products or things that even look like animals, including animal crackers, gummy worms, those Easter peeps, asparagus that resembles a snake, a snake that resembles asparagus, etc. I was hyper-vegan for almost a year. Then, one afternoon, I sort of freaked out and ended up eating an entire cow. From what I can remember, I didn't cook or even kill the cow. I just tackled it and ate it. I'm not proud of that, but I feel I should mention it here in the interest of full disclosure. After the trial, a battery of shots, and several rounds of antibiotics, I decided to turn over a new leaf. I became raw, someone who only eats raw food. I added sushi to this a few weeks later, becoming raw plus sushi, which some say is redundant because sushi is raw. That's when I went from raw vegan to raw forager, when you only eat things that are raw that you find in the woods, like a leaf or another kind of leaf. Finally, last month, I decided to go from raw forager to passive forager. Passive forager is when you lie down on the forest floor on your back and then open your mouth and eat only the things that fall into it. You're supposed to only eat the things that fall in that are also not alive. However, you can eat a living thing if it is attacking your mouth, which happens from time to time. And that works out pretty well if you need to get some protein or defend your face. Anyway, today I'm feeling pretty good. Definitely much better than I look. I guess you could say my diet has been a personal journey of sorts. Of course, none of this has been good for my breath. That was a dinner party rumination by comedian Dimitri Martin from his new book, This is a Book.